Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And my guests today are Abital Lang and Chandra Halberg. And our topic is the artist of your life. And if you can't recognize my voice, I'm sorry, I'm just very hoarse today. But I'm determined to do this program because it's a very moving one. And I would like to get it out there so that more, most, more, a lot more people can hear it. Hello, Abital and hello, Chandra. How are you both? Hi, we're very well on yourself. Good, Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, Sue. Thank you for having us. So nice to see you both. Now, I just want to tell you a bit about Avital. She comes, she was born in Jerusalem. She came here um, very, very many years ago. And uh, she's a gallery owner at, at um, Bocarp in the Cape. When she came, she came to uh, South Africa, she actually came on a commission and the person who welcomed her at the airport would later become her husband. But she has gone on to do really extraordinary things. She started a program at Pillsmore Prison, an art program. And she's going to tell us that story. You were born in Jerusalem. What is a nice Jewish girl doing at Pillsmore Prison? <laughs> okay, yeah, I was born and raised in Jerusalem. My parents has raised me to be all a green, to be a light to the other nations. So my first job in South Africa was actually I worked for the Israeli government and I actually came here to work with the Jewish community and the youth as a shlicha. And I did that for two years. And yes, it's true. The first person I met in South Africa was my husband. <laughs> <laughs> we met at the airport. The Zionist Federation has sent him to collect the new shlicha, and the rest was history. At one stage, when I finished working in South Africa, we went to Israel. Uh, Jonathan joined me later, and um, it was very difficult for him to settle in to begin with, so we came back to South Africa, and yeah, we were going back and forth a couple of times. Um the first thing that really disturbed me as an um, outsider living in South Africa was the crime and the poverty. And I thought, okay, this is my responsibility because I've learned as a child at home that, you know, when you want to make a change, the change got to start with you. You don't have to wait and think, oh, I can't change the world. You can you can change the world by action of one person. So the funny story is that I went to a therapist, a kinesiologist who was doing healing on me. And then out from her little pocket jumped a little bird. And I was so, that was like about 20 years ago, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I was so moved and so amazed from that bird and I asked her how how do you work with birds she said you know she uses birds and she buy them from Paulsmore 
And at the time, I was very new here. I did not know what Polesmore is. To me, she just said Seaport. <laughs> to me, I didn't know what Polesmore is. I thought it's the name of a place. Yeah. <laughs> so later on, um, I called Polesmore. I, I looked for it at 1023 at the time, and I called Polesmore, and I asked to speak to the birds department. And they they were laughing, and they said to me, a bird department? Do you mean the bird project? And I said, yeah, whatever. I'm looking to buy birds. So the gentleman told me that there is a bird project at Polesmore, and I can come. It's open to the public, and I just have to speak to the head of the bird project at the time, and I can make an appointment and come. So that's what I've done. I called and I asked for this guy. His name was Mr. Mitchell. Um, and I asked him, are you open on Saturday or Sunday? And he was laughing. And I couldn't understand still why he was laughing at me. And um, I said, I'm going to come then with my children to buy the birds. So we drive there and... um we arrive and we see this huge place with huge fences, looks like a military base. And I told my children, don't worry, I'm sure they put the high fence so the birds can't run away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was that naive at the time. And they asked us, where are you going? We said, we're going to the bird project. And they showed us where to go because Paulsmore really is like a little neighborhood, a big neighborhood, in fact. Uh -huh. And we arrive there and we go through the first gate, second gate, and the next thing we are finding ourselves in a room full of um, bars. My kids were climbing on the bars like little monkeys and um, the next thing arrived Mr. Mitchell. And Mr. Mitchell is dressed all in orange and my children were screaming that Primi Piatti, they thought we arrived to the pizza place because they were also wearing an orange tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> and there comes this guy, shaved head, full of tattoos, golden teeth, red glasses. I mean, to me as an artist, it looked, wow, I was going to draw him straight away. And I looked at him and I said, are you Mr. Mitchell? He said, yes. I said to him, but what is this? place he said to me it's prison I said this is a prison are you a prisoner and he said yeah I am a prisoner and I, it took me like a few minutes to get over the shock and um, I quickly took the birds and then he asked me for my number and I thought no I'm not going to give you your number he asked me where are you from I said I'm from Plumstead he said you don't look like you're from Plumstead I said, why? How should a girl from Plumstead look like? And he said, but you have an accent. And I said, yeah. But then I wasn't sure anymore if I should say where I'm coming from because I thought, oh, my God, what if they don't like Israelis here? Then I continued talking a lot of nonsense. I was very, very embarrassed. And um, he said to me, you know what, Mrs. Lang, you're not a good liar. <laughs> and he handed over the birds he told me he understand and 
I came home, I was totally fascinated. I called my friend Sally, she's a journalist from the New York Times, and I said to her, you got to come with me. And she came with me, she was so excited she had to do to write an article about it because we have never seen such a project where inmates get to raise little birds and give them love and and um nurturing them and loving them, something they never had in their life. And that's what sparked the idea to go there. Um, We're going to get back to that shortly. Thank you. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back on the Finding Human program, and I'm back with my guests, Abitel Lang and Shandri Halberg. Abitel, you know, I couldn't help thinking, I, I read a thing about tattoos, and you were talking about Mr. Mitchell. Craig, can you just put them back on the screen for a moment? And it says, um, sometimes the nicest people you meet are covered in tattoos, and sometimes the most judgmental people you meet go to church or temples on Sundays. Are you yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty apt, hey, that. I couldn't help yeah. thinking of it as you said that about the tattoos. So go on. So you got hold of your friend, the journalist, and told her about Colesmore. And then from there, how did you get hooked? So I was so inspired. A a whole new flame has evoked in me. And um, I started making uh, inquiries on how can I go into Colesmore and teach the prisoners art and try to prevent crime through art. And I thought, what a wonderful um bridge it will be and i wrote them numerous emails it took about two years because correctional services are very slow and not very excited to let um outsiders in so i wrote a lot of emails i was quite um what you say in english persuasive i did not know i kept on writing until one day somebody invited me for a, a meeting and eventually after they found out that it's going to cost them zero, they agreed to let me in. So and you were never afraid? I was not afraid at all. I was so excited because I knew there's so much for me to learn and there's so much for me to, to give. And um, I believed that when a place is, you know, when a place is dark, all you have to do is come and show some light. And even if you manage to change one person's life, then it's amazing. So, and I see your grandparents taught you about Chesed um, and and Tikkun Olam, um, putting your hand out to others, helping others. So you were actually brought up with that notion that you needed to reach out and help others. Is that right? That's correct. I grew up in a very, um, I would say, revisionist home um, where the love to the love for Israel is huge and the love to the rest of the nation, the nations is huge. And uh, doing tikkun olam is one of our biggest aims as as Jewish people. I mean, what else are we doing here? I, I always thought to myself, it can't just be 
that we're here to eat and sleep and have fun and um and do nothing. We are here to do something very important and I have to it's my mission. I my family were at the beginning was really against that because I didn't catch that. Could you try again? I don't know what that is. Go on. It's not me. (laughs) Not me either. Siri also getting involved in that conversation. So for me, it was really important to do that in spite of all the criticism and um, family that was uh, justifyingly worried. But to me, it was good that I went into prison with the innocent heart, not knowing uh, much because I do have a very big faith that um, I've been accompanied by guides who will protect me. And uh, the prisoners were amazing, I must say. They were very protective, they were very respectable, and they were a very, uh, like an audience that's so thirsty. Oh, and when I heard that, prisoners almost. Yeah, when I came there, I said, I don't want to know what she did. Uh, if I'll know what she did, I, you know, I will criticize you. I will have a, a, a pre-idea of who you are and what you did. And I want to give you a clean slate. So now, was it men and women that you had or, or just the men? I started with the men, uh, adult, and I also worked at juvenile. And I worked at female prison too. Uh, I concentrated more at um, uh, medium B, which is adults. It was um, it was more productive there. It was more productive. I also seen a lot of corruption and a lot of harm done, uh, but I decided to just go ahead with what I have in my mind and what I visioned what I visioned for them, and it worked beautifully. Uh, sometimes they couldn't help it and they told me their personal stories. And after hearing their personal stories, you know, it's not a surprise that the crime is so high and the poverty. So if you don't, if you grow up being abused in such way and getting no love and no care, sometimes the, the abused becoming an abuser. Mm-hmm. So, and no education in many of those situations. No education and hunger. And, um, yeah, I heard some horrific stories there. Sometimes at the beginning, I must say the first few times I came home, I was completely whacked, wiped out completely. I felt that my energies had been like sucked out and I kept on praying and saying to myself, wow, this had a very bad impact on me at the beginning. Uh, but then I went to do some work with myself and said to myself, you know, this is not your story. You are participating in elevating the the whole frequency there. So most likely it will have an effect on you. But after a couple of time, I developed stamina and I could I could work with it. I could work with it. There was times that I even... Stayed in a room with with like 15 people who committed murders and God knows what. And they, one of them stole my ceramic tools. Mm. So I turned around and I said to them, I counted 10 tools and I'm missing five tools here, which can be used as a weapon. So I'm going to turn my back for 
two minutes, and when I turn back, the tool's going to be on the table. Or else, you'll never see my face again, and I don't see a queue of people standing here to help you. So I turned around, and while I turned around, I said to myself, are you crazy? These people can (laughs) kill you in a second. But I had faith in them. And when I, I heard them arguing in their language, and when I turned around, all the tools were on the table, and I was I told them, I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much. And I took my tools, I numbered all of them, and um I learned I learned from them also how to be more alert and more awake and not to be just, you know, just to be there without having some secure some sense of security mm. and i suppose you also learned to be a bit more assertive you know yes. you, you probably went in there being with this kind attitude of i'll heal the world and then you had to think well you know what i also have to be quite strict here and give a few rules yeah i did there was a time that uh, you know when you come in the prison they take your bag and they take your cell phone so i always told my family that from 10 in the morning till about 1 o'clock, I'm not going to be available on the phone, so don't worry. But one day I came in the prison, and unfortunately there was a terrible riot there, and there was a whole (laughs) balagan, we say in Hebrew, they were fighting, and for my security, they locked me in one of the rooms, and they forgot all about me. And I didn't have a phone, yeah, I couldn't call anyone. And by three o'clock, they came and they apologized. They had a lot to resolve there. And my family were very worried because I was not answering the phone. And I had to do a lot of explanations there. But that thing, these things can happen. Um, it happened to me also that sometimes uh, inmates, uh, they're very, very manipulative. Some of them can be so manipulative that they can find your cell phone number. So one of them called and he said that um, he got paid to kill me. And I said to him, oh, really? How much did they, you, how much did they offer? He said 5,000 rand. I said, oh, boy, is that all? So for <laughs> that price, I'm going to hang up the phone. So I said, and why don't you tell me why you're really calling me? So he said, I call because I need airtime. I said, okay, then just tell me which cell are you and which uh, medium are you? And he did. And I called the prison authorities and I reported him. And they went and they found the phone and they took it away. So I had to learn to be assertive. Most, you know, the ones that have the chutzpah, to find you and call and ask for all kind of benefits are the ones that are unfortunately not going to make the change. <laughs> I'm sure, absolutely. But it's a fascinating story. Now, yeah. as Chandra sent us, the uh, first of all, thank you, Chandra. You you reached out to Chayef M and told us about Abital Lang. Thank yes. you for doing that. Yeah, and also for sending the story of Isaac. Are you excited about the project yourself for this? Yes, I am. Um, Amital told me about it um, actually just in the week of my birthday. She sent me the images, which was the beginning of the year. And um, I told her it's very, very pretty because I know that Tali is a an artist, but I've never really seen, I mean, her house is filled with paintings of her own. 
and of sculptures of her own, but I never like knew that this was something that was on her heart. And once when she showed me, I was like, geez, this is deep. Because I mean, uh, every single image that, I mean, there's six of these paintings out there and each one of them has such a huge meaning. Um, and they represent her and Isaac as well. So it's and we such get, a so, so well, yeah. you know what? You sent them to me and I was incredibly moved by them. I must admit. Chandra, are you Afrikaans speaking? I'm actually English? English. I'm English. Okay. So do you speak Afrikaans? I do. I'm born and raised in Cape Town. Okay, so so Abital's um, gallery is in uh, Bokap. Is that how you pronounce it? Bokap. 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 Yes. And uh, so, I mean, we need someone there who can speak English and Afrikaans. And, and Hebrew. And Hebrew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've yeah. got a good mixture there. Right, now I would like to start asking you about Isaac, because Isaac changed your life. And he brought this darkness and light into your life. And I, you say that you know, you know that everyone has darkness and light in within ourselves. And sometimes it's very hard to find that light. Tell me about Isaac and how you helped him find that light and how he helped you find your light. So one day I received a phone call and I thought to myself, oh, another one calling for airtime. And he said to me, hello, Mrs. Lang, my name is Isaac, and I got your number. He was not in my program. He said, I got your number from one of the wardens. Um, we having, uh, I'm managing a band in the prison, and we need guitar. And they told us that you might be able to help. And I told them, you know what, why don't you send me some, ask the warden to send me some of the stuff you do. I would like to listen to your music, and um, I will take it from there. So a couple of days later, I received from uh, a warden that works in Polsmore, um beautiful um, clips. I didn't know who Isaac was, but I listened to the music, and my mouth literally dropped. It was really beautiful. And I thought, wow, this guy's got a pure, raw talent. And I waited for him to call me, and he called. He called, and I told him, "Look, Isaac, I listened to your video, to your ear clips. They are magnificent. Where did you learn?" He said he taught himself. Huh? And I said, "How could you teach yourself?" He, he said he playing the marimba, he playing a guitar, he can play a piano. He basically can play, he can play any instrument because he's so musical. What so, a gift! Yeah, and then I told him I'm going to I'm going to purchase a guitar and I'm going to come to prison to meet you. And I did. I go to the prison. Uh, I was invited to the jazz festival in the prison, which was outstanding. The talent there was outstanding. I was so shocked. I I just sat there and I. Clapped hand with admiration. Did you go on your own or did you take family with your friends? Or? No, I went on my own because I was the only one authorized actually to go to uh, Polsmore. So I was invited, uh, firstly because I purchased the guitar and because I show interest in the, in the band. Um, very quickly I started Isaac actually managing this whole story. He is very talented. 
And I couldn't believe that a talent like that is in prison. So I had to ask him, what did you do? You are so gifted. What are you actually doing here? And he said to me that he uh, stole um, um, phones and properties because he needed to prove in the neighborhood that he is such and such. And I told him, this is so doesn't work with your personality because you seem so intelligent. He is very intelligent. And um, I started talking to Isaac almost daily. I told On the to phone? Him, on the phone, yeah. And I went to visit. every. Obviously, I was in prison three times a week. So I saw Isaac quite often. And I helped him in many projects. But he was on his way out of prison. And I started helping him with his parole process. I had so much faith. And I developed such great love to that human being that I thought, I have faith in him. I know he's going to make it. He's going to be great. So I helped him and he was out. And I told Isaac, don't go back to the Cape Flats because this is where it all started. And I want you to come and try a different lifestyle. So I organized him a place to stay and I organized him a job uh, in the gallery and Isaac was flour- flourishing, is that? Flourishing. He was flourishing. flourishing. He was beautiful. He was creating music. He wrote songs and he composed them. At one stage, there were people from America that arrived. They wanted to do a film about Isaac and they took a lot of footage and then they left and fortunately we lost contact with them and uh, the movie never happened. Uh, but Isaac uh, was making music. Isaac told me, I want to make music with you because uh, I sing, uh, I sing, but I was very shy about my singing. I didn't want to sing uh, to people because I was embarrassed. And Isaac gave me the confidence and told me, you know, I'm going to play music only if you sing. And he told me, I know you can do it. So he became my mentor at one stage, and he encouraged me, and I wrote beautiful songs in Hebrew, which I did compose in two and a half minutes, which I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it was like the Jimi Hendrix and the Beethoven of this, this generation. So I would gladly send you the songs that we wrote and composed. Um, yeah. One of we can even play them on the radio. We're just going for a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back on Finding Human on High FM 101.9. I would like to thank Bussy and Makundi, first of all, for keeping us on air. And then also, if you would like to contact us, please do so on SMS 34519 or telegram us on 061-895-1019. Hello, I'm back with Chandra and I'm Anne Avital, and I would like to see you on the screen again, if possible. And um, can you see me? Yes, yeah. we can. Okay, there you are. Right. So now what I would like to know, quite honestly, is 
Um, what did your family think about your relationship with Isaac and how he was encouraging you? You were obviously spending a lot of time together. And was he involved with the family as well? He was totally involved in the family. He he joined the family and became a member of the family. We couldn't really explain the the magic. We almost felt like it meant to be. He was helping with children, taking the kids, bringing the kids, helping on Shabbat dinner, learn to cook <laughs> Moroccan <laughs> uh, Jewish food. He was involved in every aspect of it. He uh, At one stage, we had to go to Israel for a year, and Isaac was very concerned. He thought that we're going to leave him behind, but we clearly didn't. He came with us to Israel. Uh, he lived with us in Israel, and he was so, that was one of his happiest time of his life, uh, because he felt that nobody knows anything about him, and mm. I registered him to a music school in Israel, which they'd gone completely mad for him. They said, who is this guy? They called him Jimi Hendrix, and they invited him to concert and really if Isaac would have stayed in Israel I think he would have become a top musician. Is that so? Yeah. He was very sad when we had to come back to South Africa. He was very very sad because he felt that his life should be in Israel. He felt like a Jewish person. He even started um, a conversion uh, process and he, yeah, he wanted to stay there, but he didn't want to stay there without us. Mm. So when we moved back to Cape Town at 2017, he came back and, um, he was very afraid and he was right to be afraid because the influence he had here from the, the number gang was quite, quite hectic. That's what brought the end to him, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, awful. Right, yeah. so just tell me now, you started, well, first of all, let's just go to the his end because we're going to need to talk about the gallery and your art exhibition. And yeah. our time is already going quite quickly, I see. Yeah. Now tell me about, um, he, he, I know you said that he got back into drugs, that he, there was a darkness in him and the light. And as yeah. Rumi says, we've all got that within ourselves. We all have to be reaching towards the light out of our darkness. And there were times when Isaac was not able to get out of his darkness. And then his darkness was actually fed by drugs, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so, by the gangsters that he was part of, the gangsterism that he had been part of before? Yeah. So the problem is that they had some kind of a hold on him. And um, this is why Isaac was so happy to get out of this country and to start new somewhere else. You know, the first picture Isaac sent me of himself, I uh, intuitively told him, oh, my God, you're like half angel, half devil. He said, how do you see that? And I said, one eye is very open and naive, and the other eye looked like it'd been through things. And he said, this is very accurate. He wrote me a lot, and he's quite uh, an amazing philosopher. He had a philosophy. He had a knowledge, uh, a lot of spiritual knowledge that I learned from a lot. He taught me a lot of things that I was not aware of and I was not open to. 
Isaac had a dark side to him and a light side to him. I accepted both with love. And I was trying to teach Isaac to shine light stronger so the dark doesn't take over. Mm-hmm. He was afraid. There was a lot of fear um, that comes from his background, his abuse. And was also afraid because these people sometimes was threatening him. So he was trying to jump from, you know, it's like to, to eat the cake and leave it whole. And that's what happened. Isaac started smoking um, uh, cannabis, which I didn't, uh, I wasn't approved of because I knew that this is just an interleading door to mm-hmm. other drugs. He was trying very hard to hide it, but it was, you know, it was impossible because the minute Isaac is on drugs, the whole atmosphere changed, the energy around him changes, his motivation goes bad and we had a lot of conversation and he attempted few rehab centers he always became a speaker at the rehab centers because he was so intelligent and everybody immediately fell in love with him he had that kind of personality but one horrible day um isaac told me you know he made a decision and he's he's never going to use drugs again He's coming home, he's going to do the conversion course, and he's going to go to Israel. And he's going to be what I always wanted him, I always wanted for him, is to share with the world that amazing music. Because it was not about money, it's never about money. My exhibition is not about money. It's about opening people's heart and making people understand that at the end of the day, we are not, this is not the aim. Making money is not the aim. The aim is to open the hearts, to see that even in the most darkest place, you can you can shine a light, you can light a candle, and something good can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, even now, relevantly speaking about where I come from, at the moment, we also experience a lot of choshech, a lot of darkness between the people. And at every platform possible, I always speak about that, what we're supposed to do here, the light that we're supposed to bring. And Isaac knew that. He knew that he was very aware of this. He even wrote to me in one of his emails that he's so sorry for what he put me through. And maybe as a spirit or in the next world to come, he'll understand things better, which is true. But at the end of the day, uh, he did. He gone with his friends that night and one of them, uh, hit him with a brick on his head. He oh. still made it. He came home and he, he was okay. He wasn't bleeding, but there was a slow bleed in his brain that was unfortunately neglected. I always say that Isaac was murdered twice. He was murdered by his attacker and then he was murdered by medical negligence because yeah, he lay in hospital for 10 days at COVID time, so I couldn't get there. But I was calling them every day to find out, and they said he's perfectly fine. And the last day on the 8th of September, they called and they told me that he's perfectly fine and I must come and collect him. And I arrived to the hospital and I fetched him. He was very emotional and he was very happy to see me. He cried a lot all the way home. He was holding my hand. And when we arrived home, 
I put him in bed and I sat next to him. I held his hand and really almost like something out of a movie. He literally died in my arms. Uh, uh. Yeah. And two years before it happened, I had a dream and I told Isaac, you know, in the dream, somebody hit you and you fell in my arms and I'm very concerned. And he said to me, well, that's not a bad dream. Vitaly. If I die in your arms, it's a blessing. Uh, and yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah, this is what happened. It's uh, that what made me uh, through grief, through grief to actually start painting. We're going to get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with my guests Abital Lang and Jean-Dre Alberg. And um, you can SMS us if you'd like to on 34519. The time is going very quickly, but I'm wanting um, Abital to tell us about um, the, last li- the, the last day of Isaac's life and what she is doing in memory of him at the moment and of his dreams. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, there you are. Right, um, so... Died in your arms. I mean, exactly as you thought. Do you think he actually waited to come home to to be with you to die? Yes, mm. I think he did. Um, he waited ten days, and when I brought him home, it it was really uh, almost like he wrote that script. Mm. He, he just literally died in my arms, and I thought uh, that he fell asleep. It was that peaceful because I put my iPhone watch on his hand because I wanted to check his pulse and his pulse was very high and I was getting very worried so I called Ezra uh, for help and um, then I saw that the pulse is going lower and I was happy I said to myself okay maybe he had just a little panic attack and it's fine so all this time, his hand was holding my hand like that. And it, even after he passed away, which I wasn't aware of, his hand was still holding very strongly to my hand. Mm-hmm. I did take my tehillim out and I start praying. But when Ezra arrived, they said to me that he's gone. And uh, I was in such a shock. I said, no, he's sleeping. And I said to Isaac, what is this nonsense, Isaac? Open your eyes. Are you pulling a trick? Because Isaac was also very funny. He used to pull a lot of tricks. So that was terrible. It was really a shock. And, yo, the grief was terrible. I remember that it hit me really hard. And for, like, seven days, I couldn't even bury him because I didn't know where to start from or what to do. Um and then I, I realized, I remember that he loved that spot on the beach so much because he always go there with his guitar. And I start talking to his spirit and I said, you know what? This is where we're going to do the, the special ceremony for you at the beach because I felt that this is where he wants to be. So I organized the whole special ceremony uh, and I made sure that his coffin that everything will be white because Isaac didn't like anything black and that his music will be played and we I brought some white doves and we made it very special, very, very special. 
And my children made special speeches for him. It was important for them to to speak about it. And um, I started drawing Isaac because I felt that I need to draw. I need to do something with that grief. And somehow I was inspired to do the lions. I not only did the lions, I also did podcasts in Spotify for people who's going through grief. And that was very helpful. It was helpful for me. It was helpful for a lot of people who was listening. And right now, I'm actually being told that I've got to start wrapping up. I can't believe it. But yeah. I would like anyone listening in, I would like you to go onto the YouTube channel and have a look under Avital Lang, A-V-I-T-A-L, Lang, L-A-N-G. And there are two um, podcasts there. One is Finding Inspiration in Dark Times. And the other one is Story of Struggle. And it's got um, a Hebrew subtitles. And on that, you'll also be able to see her art. There is an exhibition that's coming on. Is that right? Just uh, at the yeah, moment. We will. Yeah, we will advertise on the exhibition. At the meantime, we're only scheduled to have an exhibition in June in Israel. Oh, wonderful. It's been wonderful speaking to you. And Chandra, I never even got round to talking to you, but thank you so much for reaching out to us. You're welcome. Thank and, you so much, Sue. And um, Abitel, we will definitely do this again. We started a bit late today and because of load shedding on your side as well. And yeah. we will do it again and do a full program on it because I think it's such an important topic of reaching out to others and how others reach into us. And it's this mutual connection that is so important for us to work, to learn in our lives as we walk this path. So walk carefully, both of you and gently and take Thank care. You. Thank, Thank you, you very Thank much, Sue. Thank you. Thank you I sent you the music. Thank you. Oh, good. Thank you. Bye.